Um, I, I love that song. Uh, my short stint of being on a choir uh, up at Temple Baptist in, uh, in Great Falls, uh, that's one of the songs we sang in our Christmas cantata that we did. And, uh, yeah, and I, I enjoyed that time, although I know our song leader was happy when I told him I was called to preach so, and not sing. So, so uh, but it's all good, right? It's all good. So uh, at this time, we'll go ahead and release the kids for Children's Church. <coughs> As, uh, they're going to be heading across the way, and they're going to go learn more and more about uh, the eventual resurrection of our Lord and Savior over in Children's Church. Um, we're going to be going diff a little different route this morning. Uh, there is a handout again, and, and hopefully if you've got a bulletin, there should have been handout for this morning's message in that bulletin. Uh, I have to share with you real quick, uh, you know, as I was working on this message, I didn't sleep well last night. Um, I kept questioning myself on, uh, man, am I doing, is this the right message for sun this Sunday? Am I doing the right thing here? And um, I have to tell you, I, I'm just so encouraged the way Sunday school went. Some things that happened in Sunday school kind of got me on track that, hey, man, it, it was tying into this morning's message, some things we talked about in Sunday school. And then to have the songs, you know, Trusting in Jesus, and, and a couple of these songs that we sang this morning, <coughs> I, I'll, I'll let you know, I don't, I don't pick the music. Um, our song people take care of that. Our music, uh, they choose the music. I don't choose it. And then to hear some songs like that, I was over here praying during the offertory, uh, God, thank you for confirming in my heart that I'm preaching your message this morning. Uh, it, it confirmed into me that I'm right where I need to be, which really helps me and gives me a little more confidence up here because <clears throat> I always want to be preaching what it is the Lord has for us. Um, it, it, you know, I'm learning as much as you are learning when we're doing this, um, but, and, I, and I always tell people, I'm preaching to myself up here. Uh, if you get something out of it, praise the Lord. Uh, I hope you do, uh, but I'm preaching to myself oftentimes up here. So this morning, we're going to be in 2 Kings 6, as you see in there. So uh, as you uh, turn there, let's go ahead and, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Kings. Should be 2 Kings. Is that what it says on the handout? Oh, did it? I messed up. So 2 Kings, sorry. Probably says 1 Kings, but it's 2 Kings 6. Um, <clears throat> one of the... Roman numerals fell off the sheet, so not my fault. All right, let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again this morning for confirming to me that your message is the one that's going to go forth this morning and not something that I just put together. Father, uh, thank you for confirming in me uh, your call to me to preach. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk to preach your word, to, to deliver your word, and uh, so I pray now that you'll fill me with your spirit. And uh, this morning you'll be with the congregation. You'll prepare their hearts and their minds to be receptive to your word this morning. And that they would apply it to their lives and strive to be doers of your word, not hearers only, Father. That's the idea. Uh, we're not here to be saved and to sit back and wait for Jesus to return. Uh, Father, we're saved to be busy about your work. And so, Father, help us to do so. Uh, as you continue to tarry, May we be busy sharing the gospel with uh, the, a lost valley here, a, lo a lost people here in Stevensville, 
the lost people in the Bitterroot Valley. Uh, help us to work together with other uh, preachers who want to see people saved, who are concerned for the souls of men. And Father, now I pray that you will be honored and glorified through all that's uh, taught and preached this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 8. The Bible says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, <clears throat> and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open the eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and of fire round about Elisha. <clears throat> and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the, men, to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were come into Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened, the eyes, uh, opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared a great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. <clears throat> Fear. Fear is something everybody experiences. Fear is something we all, we all eventually go through at some point uh, in our life. There's some things that uh, we look at the world today, and there's plenty uh, of things to fear in the world today, in our life, well, there, there's uh, 
financial issues. Many of us have fears about our finances. Uh, there are those who uh, ha are going through marital, marital problems, and there's the fear uh, of divorce, that cloud of divorce hanging over their head. Will that happen to me? Fear. Um, we fear our health. We know people that are dealing with issues of cancer and, and, uh, and fear of, of just, you know, the unknown. What's going to happen? Um, you know, am I going to survive this or not? How about the direction of our country? I think many of us fear what we see going on in this country. Uh, a lot of what we see is putting a lot of financial strain on people in this country. Uh, we're, you know, and so people are worried. Uh, we see that the direction of our health care program, but why not fear when we have a health problem? Especially as people get older, it seems like they're less likely to help you in hospitals as you get older. So, you know, there's a lot to fear. And while there is a lot to fear as believers, this should not be our focus. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of a man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You know, as we read this passage, I want you to understand, as we read this passage, who is the main focus of this passage? We read it, and it seems obvious that Elisha is kind of the guy, right? I mean, the ki we, we've got the king of uh, Israel, and we've got the, the king of Syria, and, and they're, they're going through this uh, scenario where they're, they're getting ready to do battle. But we know that Elisha tells the king of Israel what's going on. He's like, look, uh, the king of Syria is sending bands of men down here to ambush your troops. If you go this way, there's an ambush waiting for you, so I recommend you go this way. And they do that. And it says that they, he, he, he's protected not once nor twice. Uh, I get the idea that, well, you know, uh, every time. The king of Syria is getting a little upset here, and that's when he comes to his people, right? And he says, hey, what's going on here? Which one of you is a spy? Because somehow only you guys know my plans, and yet the king of Israel seems to know what we're doing all the time. And, of course, on comes Elisha, right? Hey, Elisha, he knows the very words you're speaking in your bedchamber. He knows what you're saying in the privacy that we are your closest people, but we're not going to be in your bedroom with you. We don't know what you say in your bedroom, but Elisha does. So it's obvious, right? Elisha is the key character, a key, key person. I don't like using character because this isn't a story. This is a historical account. It really happened. The Bible isn't made up of just a bunch of stories. Um, but what I want you to see is uh, the main person in this scripture is God. Elisha only knows what he knows because God told him. He's the man of God who brings the word of God to his people. And through that, what do we see? He brings the word of God to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel benefits from it. Much like what I'm trying to do up here. I'm trying to be a man of God, and I'm trying to bring you the word of God so that you can get through the pitfalls and the ambushes that Satan is setting for you. The only way we're going to be able to know or avoid ambushes that Satan has uh, in our lives is by being in the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God. And trusting God and His Word. 
I'm up here sharing God's message so you can avoid Satan's pitfalls. Because, see, here's the thing. Satan doesn't play fair. Satan does not play fair. Heard a story about a, a man, a Norman Kid McCoy. Uh, he was a uh, welterweight boxing champion in 1896. In one of his fights, he learned that his opponent was deaf. McCoy, when he finally realized this, or as he discovered this, uh, they were nearing the end of the third, uh, the third round when McCoy stepped back from his opponent and then pointed to the opponent's corner. Not realizing, the opponent thinking that the round was over, turned to head to his, uh, turned his head to look over to his ring, and that's when McCoy hit him with a devastating blow that knocked him out. Now, while that seems a little unfair, pretty effective, wasn't it? McCoy got the win. It was effective. Understand that this is exactly the strategy Satan is still using today. He doesn't play fair. Satan wants to destroy our testimony as Christians. If he can do this, then he can use our testimony against us. And, uh, and, and that will keep people from coming to Christ. If our testimony is ruined, who's going to listen to us when we try to talk to them about Jesus Christ? Therefore, Satan wants... He, we are under attack. We are under attack. But if we would heed the warnings of God's word, if we will listen to what God has for us, he has given us a book that we can use to avoid the attacks from our enemy. Your fears can be put to rest if you will simply put your faith in God and his word. Satan wants us to fail as believers and wants us to go, go the way of the world, right? He wants us to go the way of the world. So the idea is here, understand that there is a spiritual war going on, and Satan and the world is battling God and his word. And we're caught in the middle. The question is, which side are you on? I said in our Sunday school uh, message this morning, I mentioned Joshua. What did he say? Choose you this day whom ye will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. My proposition to you this morning is, do you have faith that God can deliver you from the enemy? Do you believe that God's got this? That's the title of the message this morning. God's got this. In our text this morning, we notice three key observations that will help each of us to realize that God's got this. And the, uh, the first observation we see is a God who perceives a God who perceives. Our God sees all, He knows all, right? And to understand this better, we need to understand the enemy's strategy. The enemy's strategy. In verse 8 and 9, we see here it says, and uh, I'll go back to the right page here. Um, verse 8 Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And what did I just say? I, I kind of already mentioned this, but the king of Syria is sending bands of men and setting up ambushes to try to surprise or ambush the, Isra uh, the, the, the nation of Israel's army, the, their men, as they go certain, uh, certain uh, follow certain paths and certain roads. And so the king of Syria... He is planning attacks on Israel. 
But the king finds out that Elisha is uh, the one who is uh, destroying this for him. Uh, and, and understand, so uh, he finds out that Elisha is the one. He thought he had a spy in his midst. He finds out it's not. It's this Elisha. And what's he say? Then I want him, I, 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 go get him. Bring him to me. Uh, essentially, I want him dead or alive. Ultimately, what is he saying? If God's the key character, or God's the key person in this, uh, in this account, then what we know is Elisha's being used of God, so what's he trying to do? I'm going to remove the man of God with the word of God out of this picture. I, I need to, and, and, and let's face it, that's where we are in the world today. The world today, pastors are coming under attack. Uh, there, there are many pastors that are enjoying, the, that, that uh, aren't being touched at all. Why? Because they're not preaching the whole counsel of God. Uh, the pastors that are coming under scrutiny uh, for hate speech are those who teach and preach the whole counsel of God. Uh, any man who calls himself a preacher and is a, uh, uh, a cafeteria preacher who picks and chooses only the good things out of the Bible but doesn't want to touch on anything that might be controversial to our world today is not a faithful man of God. We need to be faithful to the Word of God and stay true to every page in here. God gave it to us. We are to obey it. Well, you're, you're, you're just, you're, you know, you're short-minded there, Pastor. You're, times have changed. Uh, let me remind you, our God doesn't change. Our God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His laws are still the same today. The way of getting to the way of salvation is the same as it was in the beginning, and it's the same as it will be at the end. Salvation is by grace through faith. The world's desire is to silence God's word. The world thinks that it can silence God by denying him, right? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So if we deny God, we can get rid of God and his word, right? But the word has stood the test of time. God's word, uh, the, the world wants to remove God's word. It has removed it from schools. It wants to remove it from our workplaces. They want to take all the Ten Commandments out of all of our courthouses. I mean, it is the foundation of all of our laws. I mean, if we... we how much easier would the laws be if we just kept it to the Ten Commandments, all right? So much simpler than what a bunch of lawyers get in there and turn it into a bunch of laws. Look what the Pharisees did. They took the Ten Commandments and turned it into 619 laws that you had to follow. But we know that God's Word can never be destroyed. It stood the test of time. It has been preserved and continues to go and go and go. So what is Satan's next strategy? How else can he attack? Well, he can get you to doubt the Word of God. If he can twist the Word of God, he can get you to doubt the Word of God. It's the very same strategy he used on Eve. Uh, if you have your handout, you'll notice there, uh, I have Genesis 2. I actually put 17 18. I meant to put 16 through 18 in there, so you want to turn to your Bible, you can. I'll read it here. Genesis 2, verses 16 through 18. What I want you to focus on, this is what God said. Okay? This is what God said in the beginning to Adam. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Notice verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. What do we learn from that very verse? We learn that God told Adam about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He didn't tell Eve. Eve wasn't even created yet. So notice in verse 3, I gave you verses 3 through 4, all in one, all encompassed in one. We're just going to look at verse 1 right now. This is what Satan says. The serpent, Satan. That, now that serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Oh, why did he go after her? She might not know the scriptures as well as Adam. So, who does Satan go after? Believers that maybe aren't really versed well in the Scriptures? Maybe they don't know the Scriptures as well as, as they could? And what's he say? Has God not said that you can eat of all the trees that are in the garden? No, that's not what God said. But that's how he's twisted it, right? And then look at verses 2 and 3. This is what Eve says. And the woman said unto the serpent, <clears throat> We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst, uh, in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Did Eve give us a proper account of what God said? Uh, she kind of added to the law. She kind of added to Scripture there, didn't she? You can't even touch that tree, Right? And then we go down here into Satan's, fin uh, Satan's final blow in verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Well, ye shall not surely die. What has she done? What has he done? He's casted doubt. He's casted doubt. Well, Pastor Jim, how's that affect us? Okay, how's that? Satan's strategy has not changed. Are there not different versions of the Bible? Can we look in those versions and see that words have been added? Words have been taken away? The very thing that is happening to Eve right here is happening in our nation today. In the world today. Uh, I stay faithful to the King James Bible. Why? Because it has been around for over 400 years demonstrating preservation. It's only been since the latter 1800s that, uh, that they started introducing a lot of these other versions that make it easier to read. Well, isn't that the way Satan works? Let's make things easier on people. We like ease. We like to be easier. But what's he do? He's given us, uh, you know, he, here's the, my problem with different versions of the Bible. I only have one problem with all the other versions of a Bible. They're different versions. Uh, I want to stick with God's version. I want to stick with God's version. If we know the Word of God, then uh, we have the Word of God. Why go anywhere else? Why go anywhere else? 
The enemy's strategies get us to doubt the word of God, and he has done an amazing job over the last century. He's done an amazing job. Liberalism sneaks into everything. Everything is, we need to accept everything uh, that the government does for us anymore. Uh, it's all, and, 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 and they can use scripture to back it up. It's twisted scripture. But I don't want you to, that's not the only thing. I also want you to see God's signal, right? We see the enemy's strategy, but I want, to, I want you to see God's signal. God uses his word to warn us about our enemy. So what would have happened if Israel wouldn't have uh, listened? Well, honestly, let's just say, so the man of God comes to, uh, to the king of Israel with the word of God. And he says, hey, if you go this way, King Hadad's got men there, they're going to ambush you. Yeah, you don't even know what you're talking about, man. Well, I'm going to send my troops that way anyway. It's quicker. It's easier. Right? And they do. And they get ambushed, right? That's what's going to happen. You just walked into Satan's trap. And, and, and that's what's happening in churches today. Christians today don't, uh, Pastor, don't tell me how to live my life. I'm not. You know, don't shoot the messenger. The message is from God. You want to obey it? That's up to you. God's word needs to be heeded. Why? Because God sees everything. And so he can prepare us for the inevitable. God could see everything that Ben-Hadad, King Ben-Hadad was doing. So he sends a warning to Israel. We need to heed the word of God because his, uh, he sees everything. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Hebrews 4.13 adds, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So if God sees all, it's pretty obviously that he probably knows all. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. 1 John 3.20 adds, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Man, if, if, we, if we could walk up to somebody, if there was somebody on the face of this earth that saw everything and knew everything that was going to happen from here on out, man, he'd have a huge line of people standing there waiting to talk to him. All the fears in this world today. Hey, can you tell me, when, when, when am I going to die? How am I going to die? What's going to happen? Will I be, well, am I going to live for a long time or will I die young? Am I going to be wealthy? Um, you know, we'd have all kinds of questions for him, right? Well, that man was on this earth for a little while. And he's given us his word. Now, he's not going to tell you when you're going to die. He's not going to tell you. You're not going to get those types of answers. But he sure can tell you how to get through financial problems, how to get through health issues, how you can deal with world's, the world's problems today. How you can avoid the pitfalls. How you can uh, stay away from Satan's traps. It's all right here for us if we'll just get into the word and dig. But it's the world and believers who continue to ignore this. They make all kinds of excuses and give no credit to God for the things that occur in their lives. Much like King Hadad. When they told him Elisha knew everything that was going on in his bedchamber. Well, how on earth can this guy know what's going on in my bedchamber? 
He's not in there with me. Oh, but who is? God. Man, he must know God. He must have a, a relationship with God. He must, uh, but no, he doesn't. <laughs> if, if God knows your strategy, king, and now your, sin, your new strategy is to go get him, you don't think he already knows that? And that's how our world acts. Oh, we're going to get rid of the word of God. Well, Ecclesian tried it. He failed. Hitler tried it in Germany. Mao Zedong tried it in China. Guess what? The Bible's still, still there. Still in those countries. Still in the world today. You can't get rid of the word of God. So now that we understand that our God is a God who perceives, I want you to see also that our God is a God who protects. He is a God who protects. And to, see, to better understand this, we need to see a believer's fear in verse 15. Verse 15, we see a believer's fear. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Uh, what do we see here? We see the servant's response. Uh, clearly a feeling of hopelessness. There's a lot of fear right there. He gets up in the morning, and what's he see? He goes out to enjoy the beautiful morning. This is the day the Lord has, whoa, look at all those chariots and those guys there. They're here for us. Uh, hey, Elisha, you want to come out and check this out? I think we're in a bit of trouble. Total, uh, he, he gets scared. Uh, so, Thankfully, he has Elisha to turn to. But what often happens to most people? They turn to their own devices, right? Jeremiah 18, 12 tells us, And they said, There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices, and we will, every one, do the imagination of his evil heart. See, what we try to do is we see a problem with our finances, and, oh, um, I can get out of this. I can get out of this. Uh, maybe I can boost that life insurance policy on my wife. Does it not happen? People kill their family members to get out of debt. Health issues. Well, we, we take matters into our own hands. Uh, and oftentimes, most people aren't going to go to that level, but we turn to drugs, alcohol, and sadly, oftentimes that leads to suicide. And if you don't believe me, just look at the statistics. The suicide rate just continues to climb. I, I spent 20 years in the Air Force. We had to go through suicide training every year because of how bad it was getting. You know, uh, never once did we want to say, hey, you know, maybe we should look at the issue with alcohol and drugs. Go to the root of the problem here, too, because what often happens, uh, you know, a very good friend of mine who was in the Air Force I served with, uh, he was in our security forces squadron. I loved the man. He was, a great uh, I, he was a great guy. Everybody liked him on the hill. We all, you know, and one day he's going through trouble with his, uh, with his girlfriend. She threatens to leave him, and he said, if you leave me, I'll kill myself. You don't have the guts to do it. That was what she, that's the last word she said to him. He went home, grabbed a bottle of booze, drank on it for a while. She came home, and when she walked into the living room, he stepped out in the hall, and he said, hey, 
And she looked down the hall and he put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. I know that man would have never done that if he hadn't touched that bottle. If he hadn't touched that bottle. We don't, we don't think, <laughs> we don't think wise enough on our own already, right? Why are we going to put fuel on the fire? We need to be wise. The Bible tells us what will happen if we do these types of things. It warns us. Why do we do, why do we go that route? Because there's a lack of trust in God. There's a lack of faith. Remember Matthew 8, verse 26, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm, right? What was going on here? These guys, uh, they feared uh, the storm. And Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. But we also trust in ourselves to handle the problem. Psalm 118, verse 8 says, It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. Or we turn to others for guidance. And, you know, there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors, but the idea is that um, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And the best example I can give to you about bad guidance is looking at King Samuel, or I'm sorry, King Saul in 1 Samuel 28, verses 5 through 7. I have it in your hand out there. Saul, and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit in Endor. What did he do? He turned to witchcraft. God had departed from him. I want you to understand, I believe King Saul is saved. He's a believer. But he was a believer that didn't walk with God. And therefore, God departed from him. He didn't lose his salvation. That doesn't happen. He didn't lose his salvation, but he didn't walk with God, and God punished him for it. And therefore, he separated himself from God. And so Saul, what's he do? God is not with me. I'll turn to witchcraft. I'll turn to witchcraft. You know, when we're not spending time in the Word of God and we're not on our knees praying and spending time with God, we don't have a relationship with God. And when we don't have a relationship with God, it's going to lead to us seeking counsel in bad places. In bad places. That's the believer's fear, but I want you to see the believer's faith in verse 16. Look at verse 16. And he answered, fear not, right? Fear not, that they be, uh, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them, right? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't be afraid of what you see there. Uh, Elisha tells him to fear not. 2 Timothy 1 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, we are to remain calm. We are not given the spirit of fear. But what's all Elisha, also, Elisha also do? He prays for him, right? In verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, open the eyes of this young man, right? And so the eye, man's eyes are open, and now what's he see? He sees what the Bible tells us, that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. God is there the whole time. God is with you in the good and the bad. So give him glory for the good, and give him credit for getting you through the bad. But we often know, we experience believers who 
experience fear, right? They, they become afraid. Uh, you know, w- that's our job. What, what I learned from this is, um, how often do we get disappointed? We see believers that aren't, aren't demonstrating faith. Uh, we, we get mad at them. Man, they have, what a lack of faith. They're not trusting in God. I, I think we saw this really prevalent in COVID. Our churches were fractured big time over vaccines and masks. That's not what we're supposed to do. Uh, our take on that at our church when, when I was working up there was, if you, you feel you need to take the vaccine, take the vaccine. You feel you don't need the vaccine, then don't take the vaccine. And, and we took that stance. Uh, we were not going to stand at the door of our church and tell people they couldn't come in if they weren't wearing a mask. God's house is open to everyone, saved, unsaved. I'm not going to stand at the back of the church and say, are you saved? Mm, can't come in then. We only want saved people in here. No. We should be praying, though, that people will look to God uh, for the answers. We need to be trusting in God, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. How many of us turn to the word of God to get answers about a vaccine or a mask during COVID? Did we turn to the word of God or did we take what the government and the CDC told us as gospel? Now, you still have to come to your own determination, but I want you to come to your determination through the word of God, not the word of men. Be faithful (coughs) to the word of God. That is why we are to keep the faith and stay true to our course, because God's got this. Believers do not have to fear the future because God has prepared the way ahead. Heard a story about a young girl. She was unaccustomed to traveling. She was taking a train ride through the country, and it happened that uh, that, uh, in the course of the day, her train was going to cross two branches of a river and several wide streams. The water uh, seen... Uh, The water seen in advance always awakened doubts and fears in the child. She did not understand how it could safely be crossed. As they drew near the river, however, uh, a bridge appeared and furnished a way over. Two or three times the experience was repeated, and finally the child leaned back with a long breath of relief and confidence. Somebody has put bridges for us all the way, she said in a trusting voice. And that is exactly what life is. This is exactly life. We fear so many evils. So many troubles look dark ahead. So many difficulties seem insurmountable as they loom before us. But as we advance, we find that there is a way through them. God has built bridges for us all the way. Because God's got this. God's got this. So our God is a God who perceives Our God is a God who protects. And finally, I want you to notice, our God is a God who pardons. Uh, I want you to see here, we see this in verses 18 through 23, but I want you to see right out the gate, Elisha's prayer. These men came to capture Elisha, right? They come down after him, um, and so they're coming to get him. Uh, What does Elisha do? He prays. I mean, that should be our first deal. We are in trouble. Uh, We see something happening. We in our life, we see trouble coming. First thing we should do is pray. But look how he prays. Elisha prayed that God would blind 
the enemy right there in verse 18. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. Smite them with blindness. Now, this isn't the blindness that you're thinking of. They, these guys didn't all of a sudden go, ah, I can't see anything. Where are we? Elisha didn't lead them by hand, okay? What he did is they blinded them, temporarily blinded them of where they were. He made it so that they didn't realize they were in Dothan, where they knew they had to be, right? And they knew Elisha was in Dothan. So Elisha was able to go, you're not in Dothan. And therefore, if they weren't in Dothan, they knew this couldn't be Elisha. So it blinded them to what they uh, perceived, right? <clears throat> God intervened based on Elisha's prayer, and thus they were able to peacefully deal with this group, right? Um, then look at verse 19. Verse 19, it says, And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. We should pray uh, similar to what he, Elisha did. So that's what he just said. He said, this isn't, the, you're not, this isn't the way, and let me take you. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you seek. And this should be our prayer for the world, for a lost world today. We should be praying that God will blind the world of its strategy of, of not wanting the word of God anywhere, uh, of not wanting the word of God in our schools, not wanting the word of God in our workplaces. Uh, we want to blind them of that strategy, right? This is not the way, is what we should be praying. This is not the way. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you seek. That's a pretty cool prayer. Follow me. This isn't the way. Then look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, And it came to pass, when they, came, when they were come to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. What happened? These guys opened their eyes and went, Whoa. Completely surrounded. <laughs> they were feeling what the servant felt when he came out of the, his, uh, of the house right there. Because now the king of Syria, or the king of Israel, is there with all his men. And what's the king of Syria? Well, can we smite him? Can we smite him? He's excited, right? We're getting a victory here. We're going to take these guys out. And they have their eyes opened to what? To the mess that they're in. We need to be praying for the world to have their eyes opened for the sin that they're living in. To have their eyes open to see that the, the sin they're living in is a mess and it's going to drag them down. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know the Bible states there is none righteous, no, not one. But wait, God's got this. God's got this, right? Go back. Uh, I want you to see our prayers should be to pray for these people to have their eyes open to see that they're sinners lost. And then we go back to verse 19. This is not the way. We need to take you to the man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way. And that's how we should be praying. God's got this, right? Because he pardons. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are redeemed. If only we will call upon the name of our Savior. Uh, if the lost world will call upon the name of our Savior. Romans 10, 10, 13. This is a very special verse in my heart because it's the verse that led me to Jesus. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
It's that simple. It's that easy. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's all you have to do. Admit you're a sinner. Ask God to come into your heart and save you from your sins. And Jesus will redeem you from your sins. Pray for God to give you the opportunity to share the gospel with a lost world. That's what we need to be praying for. Pray for divine appointments. But lastly, I want you to see Elisha's pity. Verse 21, remember I said the king, what's he say? King Joram says here, he gets excited. Can we smite them? Can we smite them? He calls Elisha father. And oftentimes we think of how the world treats Christians, right? We get mad. We don't like what the world do. We don't like that they want the Bible out of the schools. We don't. And so what do we do? We get angry. We get angry. And oftentimes uh, there are people, we're confronted with lost people. They'll confront us about our beliefs and they try to get us to engage in an argument. And we must avoid this at all costs. By getting into an argument with a lost person, you're just destroying your testimony. How are we supposed to reach a lost world? Speaking the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. How do we deal with these types of people? They want us to, they want us to destroy our testimony. They want us to get angry. So how do we deal with them? Remember that God loves them too. God loved them first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world and he gave his son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we need to remember that. We also need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that, is, that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. If you're saved here this morning, you know Jesus is your Savior. Are you prepared to tell anyone about Jesus? Are you prepared to give a reason of the hope that is in you? When people come up to you and say, uh, why weren't you afraid during COVID? Because God's got this. I'm not worried about it. What do I have to worry about? If I die by COVID, I'm going to heaven. If I die, it doesn't matter if I'm, I die by COVID, if I die from old age, if I die from cancer, if I get hit by a car, if I get, you know, murdered, whatever. I'm going to heaven. I don't have anything to fear. I don't have anything to fear. And lastly, we need to pray for them. Pray for them. I, I remember Pastor Ronnie Roach used to tell me, man, with Jim, he said, if, you're, if you struggle with anybody, there are a lot of people out there that are hard to love. They're hard to love. They said, you want to learn to love them? Pray for them. Pray for them. Luke 6, 27 to 28 says, But I say unto you, which here love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them that uh, pray for them that which despitefully use you. See, Elisha showed pity to the Syrian army, the army that wanted to harm him. Jesus showed pity to a lost world, a world that did harm him. We too must show pity to a lost world if we want to reach them. This morning we have observed that our God is a God who perceives all. He knows all and therefore we should look to him for guidance. We also learn that our God is a God who protects. If we will trust him and his word, then we have everything we need to be protected from our enemies. And finally we learn that our God is a God who pardons. The world may hate God. The world and Christians or the uh, may hate God, the, his word and Christians, but God does not hate the world. 
fact, we know he loves him, loves the world. We already quoted that verse. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He sent his son to provide salvation to a lost people. We must learn to peacefully deal with our enemy. We need to give, speak the truth in love. We still have to give the whole counsel of God, but we have to give it in a loving way. We must, uh, if we're going to reach uh, a lost world, this is the, the way God wants it done. We need to have pity on them. We need to pray for them. And we, remember, we need to remember, God's got this. For everybody, please stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're able to stand, please stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to open, offer a 